0: Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Shoots. This is episode 33 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft set to begin this Thursday, April 29th. It's so exciting. We're going to have the draft in Cleveland, Ohio. The fans will be in attendance. The players will be in attendance. Roger Goodell will be there at the podium. After he calls out the draftee's name, he'll actually be able to reach out and touch All the draftees, the the handshakes, the hugs, we're going to get to see all of that again. It's super exciting to have all of that. I'm fired up if you can't already tell. And this podcast is being recorded on Monday, April 26th. And it's really the second of four podcasts that I want to bring to the table in advance of draft day. So yesterday we put all of the positional breakdowns to bed with the cornerbacks and safeties, we we wrapped all of that up. So now today and tomorrow, we're really going to take a look at the team needs and take a look at my mock draft based on really where I think a lot of a lot of the teams are going to go, and really the best fit for the for these teams with their draft needs. And we're going to start out at the east with, with both the AFC and NFC East, and then we're going to move down to the south. And that's what we'll take care of today. And I know yesterday I said we were going to take take a look at the five rounds of my mock draft. For the sake of time, we got 16 teams to get through. So we're going to go ahead and just do the first four rounds of the draft. And then tomorrow we'll go ahead and finish things off with the North and the West. And then Wednesday, my final first round mock, we'll go ahead, take a look at that, make sure that everything looks right, everything looks nice and neat. And I feel comfortable with all of my picks, and then we'll play a little by the numbers. And if you don't know what that is, I like to take a look at the last five years of the draft and really see how many players came off the board by position and really by round, and really try to study that and see if there's any way to predict the number of players that'll come off the board by each position in each round, and then try to then figure out how many play, you know, which players can we plug into in the first, second, third, all the way through the seventh round? And what's interesting with that too is we're not attaching any teams to these. So it's nothing it ha, ha, has nothing to do with any of uh, the, the, the mock drafts. doesn't have anything to do with team needs. It's really just solely based on playing the numbers game and really looking at who's going to be the right fit. You know, who do I think is going to come off the board in rounds one, two, three, all the way through to the seventh round. So we'll get to play that. See, you know, really how that plays out. So what we'll do is, after the draft is over, we'll check in, we'll take a look at each team, all 32 teams, we'll take pick by pick, really talk about the draft in depth, see really, did they make the right decisions, the right calls, who were the movers and shakers, who left you know us really scratching our heads, who were the, the main undrafted free agents, who were the surprises there, and then we'll take a look at the by the numbers, and see really how all of that played out. How many by position really came off the board. Uh you know a- as we had predicted and and did we see any difference, there any variance. You know so we're going to have a lot of fun here over the next couple of weeks before we finally put the 2021 podcast series to bed. So we've got a lot to cover as I said we got 16 teams before we, we wrap things up with this podcast, so we're gonna go ahead and jump right into things. And the first team that we're gonna take a look at is the New York Jets, the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. And obviously the biggest domino that was left to fall in the offseason really was when uh, you know Joe Douglas and the Jets traded Sam Darnold to Carolina for three picks. Um, you know, so now you know New York, seven picks in the first two rounds over the next two seasons. Uh, Sam Darnold gets his fresh start which he desperately needs out there in in Carolina um Really a, a career-defining moment for, for Joe Douglas, if you think about it. Now he gets his quarterback under center in Zach Wilson, um, who's emerged as that number two quarterback in the draft behind Trevor Lawrence. If you listen to my podcast, you know that I love Zach Wilson. From the time that, that he went, 18 of 18 for 317 yards and four touchdowns with no interceptions, earning that MVP honors against Western Michigan in the Idaho Potato Bowl as a freshman. And then what he's done this year as a junior. You know, he battled injuries in, in, 28, in 2019. If you just look at the stats, you're gonna say, "Well, those numbers aren't very impressive." He was battling a shoulder injury. We, we weren't sure which quarterback we were gonna see in 2020. Was it gonna be the, the, the freshman version or the the injury-riddled, you know, sophomore season? And really, what you saw was a guy that put everything together. This is a kid who's a a, a junkie when it comes to football. Uh, it's well documented. You know, if you watch any of the ESPN broadcasts, they talk about he and his dad watching a lot of the footage and really studying quarterback, studying his own film. And so this is a guy who um, you know, understands the game really well, uh, but then you watch it the, the throwing motion, just how explosive it is, all the, the, the ability. You know, a lot of guys are very robotic and very deliberate with their, their throws. They'll square the shoulders and, and everything, and then the hips will come around as they're throwing the football. He makes his throws look like a shortstop in baseball. And that's the thing, when he's on his on, on the move, everything is all all at once, and really the, the torque and his ability to just get everything around all at once, the velocity with the throws, and then the pinpoint accuracy. To me, Zach Wilson, I, I love the move. Uh, you know, Robert Sala is, is a defensive-minded coach, but you know, look, you know, you've got Mike LaFleur in there, and uh, I think Zach Wilson's gonna be able to f- Thrive in that offense. So then the next the next pick you have is at 23 in the first round. Yes, you know the Jets have two picks in round in round number one. So what are they gonna do with pick number 23? They got it from Seattle. So the question is: do they go receiver? You know, I I think the addition of Corey Davis says no, because you've got Denzel Mims promising rookie season. Jameson Crowder is a reliable weapon there in the slot um you could still see them go Rashad Bateman or or Kadarius Tony possibly Terrace Marshall I, I just don't know that that's that's the right move there uh, you know Frank Gore 38 years old you know he was the really the, the workhorse for them there um, you know the, the three-headed monster behind him uh, you know was, was Ty Johnson uh, Michael P Ryan and Josh Adams really not much of a monster uh, more the more like a mouse than a monster combining for 643 yards so the Jets have a chance to grab a feature back whether it's Najee Harris or uh, Travis Etienne so there's a chance that that could happen but look the Jets weakest position right now is that corner Uh, you know you've got Bless Austin and Bryce Hall they were the starters they're decent but they, they didn't really play exceptionally well. You know, they, they compiled just 99 tackles, one interception, seven pass breakups and their backups are a bunch of under free agents led by Lamar Jackson, Javelin Guidry, Kyron Brown. Um, that's just not going to get it done. And, and look, if Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrick really want to secure a lockdown corner on the outside, go get Greg Newsom from, from Northwestern, get him in there. 6'1", 190 pounds out of Northwestern, uh, you know, 21 passes defended in his three years there with the Wildcats. Um, Ran a 403, 3840 at his pro day. 40-inch vertical leap. This is a guy to me. You know, he, he plays the sideline really well. Does a really good job pinning the, side, the guy to the sideline, and then he does this look and lean when he's looking back for the football. He looks and leans, really takes away any separation that the receiver may have had. Uh, you know, able to close the distance very well in zone coverage as well. You know, I, I think you get Greg Newsom there uh for the jets shore up that that cornerback position because look corner is really their their biggest need area after quarterback uh in my opinion so you can actually wait and get a running back on day two and i think that's exactly what they're going to do so the the next pick it it could be a running back you you could potentially see them take javante williams um, but i'm looking at 34 i i think you really need to look at that that offensive line and I think that's one of the mistakes that the prior regime there with the Jets, they just didn't focus on that offensive line enough. You already have Makai in there playing that, that left tackle position, and he looks like he's going to be a stud. Uh, but really, there are question marks there along that line. I know the team is still high on, on right tackle George Fant. Um, I think Connor McGovern, you know, he has battled, you know, some injuries there at the center. Um, you know, left guard Alex Lewis, you know, he, he didn't give up a sack, but he did allow eight quarterback hits and 16 quarterbacks hurries, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, you know, you bring in Dan Feeney to compete with Connor McGovern at center, but look, Green, come on. You know, you need to figure out really what's going on on that right side. You know, are you satisfied with George Fan at right tackle? Do you want to kick him inside to guard? I'm looking at a guy like Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, six six, three oh five. This is a guy. Look, you know, didn't allow a sack in each of the last two seasons with the Irish. You know, model of consistency. This is a guy, natural knee bender, easy mover, understands angles, power in his hands. Uh, that's one of the things that you really see. That accurate strike to blow, you know, really blow his man back off the ball. Um, I think Eichenberg could be a right tackle if you kick uh, Fan into guard, or he could also play inside. You know, I think of a guy like Max Sharping, you know, who was coming out of Northern Illinois. I think Eichenberg's probably a better pro prospect than Sharping, but still, when you think of Sharping, he was a guy that I thought could play tackle at the next level. Ended up kicking inside to guard, and he's starting there for the Texans. Either way, I think Eichenberg would be the, a great fit there for the Jets. Take care of your quarterback, take care of your investment, and, uh, you know, That's really going to be the the best move, I think, for the Jets. Moving on to round three, this is where I think you can get your running back. I think there's got to be a run on running backs in in rounds three and four. Um, That's really where I think you're going to see it happen. And I'm looking at Michael Carter out of North Carolina, 5'8", 199 pounds. This is a guy who finished back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons on the ground to go with 82 passes uh, caught in in that career there with, with the Tar Heels. He was really the lightning to Javante Williams' thunder, and uh, not the most physically imposing guy, but he really is sudden. Excellent vision, sees those cut back lanes, puts his foot in the ground, and then changes that directions on a guy, on a dime to get there. Um, you know, makes a lot of those cuts um, in the open field without uh, without losing speed. Bounces off contact left and right, and look, you know, the thing that I really like about him. Uh, if you watch that game against Miami, that the last game, ironically, in a Tar Heel uniform, 24 carries, 308 yards, uh, a yard per carry average of, of 12.8, uh, with two touchdowns, and, and he proved that he could really be a feature back and carry the load. Although you know Javante Williams ended up rushing for over 200 yards himself, what made it so impressive though was that vision. He was keeping an eye on on Jalen Phillips, who you know. Every time he was committing to crashing inside, and it seemed like it was happening time and time again. Carter would just bounce it outside, evade a linebacker on the edge, uh, evade a defensive back down the field, and he would be gone. And, and that's really one of the things I think, you know, you've got Najee Harris, you've got Travis Etienne at the top of the draft. You can actually get a sleeper like Michael Carter um, in the third round, after addressing some of the major positions, you've got a quarterback, a corner, and an offensive tackle before you draft your running back. I think that really gives you a good, solid foundation um, You know, going into day three of the draft. And the first pick there in day three... Um, actually, I think the Jets have a second pick in, in round two. They do in in round three. I I got a little ahead of myself. I was moving on to round four, Um, but I think the Jets look the wide receiver core already deeper than it was in 2019, especially with, with Corey Davis. They also have Keelan Cole as well to team with, with, with Mims and Crowder, but they need another weapon in the slot. And I'm looking at Amari Rogers, perfect slot receiver at the next level, sudden off the line can make you miss in the open field. He's built like a running back, hard to bring down thousand yard receiver in, in, 2020, this is a guy who actually lined up at running back at the Senior Bowl, uh, just adds to that versatility as well, very reliable with his hands route running, suddenness out of his breaks you know, he battled that knee injury worked his way to get his speed back and now that I think he's got it um, and he's regained some of that lateral agility to shake you in the open field, he's another guy that I think could be a sleeper towards the you know the, the middle uh, uh, middle of the of round three I think that'd be a nice pick up there for the Jets and then round number four round things out, you're looking at uh, the defensive end position you know you've got to convert that uh, defense to Robert Sala's uh, 4-3 defense so you're gonna have to look for defensive ends that can put their hand in the dirt and I'm looking at a guy like Patrick Jones second, six-five, 260 pounds out of pit uh, you know, he and, and Rashad Weaver, there were a couple of disruptive forces coming off the edge for for the Panthers. racked up 17 and a half sacks during that time. Uh, nice array of pass rush moves. Uh, can beat offensive tackles with speed. Shows a nice uh, rip and arm over. Beat the oversetting offensive tackle to the inside as well. Uh, the performance during the Senior Bowl was really interesting. You know, especially in the practice, only a 17 percent win rate. That was the lowest among all the edge rushers, according to Pro Football Focus. But when it was game time. Jones put on a show. Two sacks, four quarterback pressures. So, you know, that's one of the things a lot of people have him really falling into... into you know the fifth round. I think round four is probably about the right right spot for him, and you allow him to play next Quinn and Williams and opposite Carl Lawson. You know this is a team. Look, they they have Quinn and Williams. They've got Sheldon Rankins there at defensive tackle as well. You've got Carl Lawson on the outside. You add some additional pass rushers. Vinnie Curry's there as well. That's an underrated signing. And then you add. Uh, Patrick Jones there in the fourth round. You shored up that that passing, or I mean that uh, you know that that edge rush and that that, uh, that getting after the quarterback. You, know, you, you look at the linebackers. They brought in Jared Davis, a disappointment with the Lions. Maybe a chain of Scenery is going to help with him there. Um, you know Blake Cashman at linebacker, uh, an underrated player there. Uh, Jabari Zuniga is going to get a little bit more action. Uh, there at the linebacker position as well, so you're really starting to shore up that, that defense. It, it's gonna take a little bit of time. I think there's still gonna be another year or two away for Robert Sala, but I think you know his his personality is infectious you watch that that team there are some young guys blended with some of the veterans and i like what they're starting to build there defensively for the jets and then on offense if they continue to build that offensive line around uh zach wilson you already have some weapons there uh on offense continue to build that as well and uh, i think the jets could really have something going build some of that momentum and you know you can really hear the jets fans yelling j-e-t-s jets 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 going into November and December and have it really mean something that's really what the Jets fans are waiting for and hopefully this is the start of something that they can really build upon so with that said we're gonna go ahead and move on to the Miami Dolphins and and Miami look you know this was a much better season than expected under second year head coach Brian Flores right just you know uh just out of the playoffs, 10-6 and six record. Now they have two picks in round one. Thank you, Laramie Tunsil. Uh, you know, that, that trade to Houston in, in August of, of 2019. You know, Tua, hey, look, he was just okay. Finished with a 6-3 record, completed 64.3% of his passes and nine starts. Managed just 11 touchdowns and five interceptions. Only 181.4 passing yards per game. Uh, that's not going to cut it. they are already grumblings about whether or not he can be the face of the franchise. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit there. Let's get some... Uh, you know let's shore up everything on the offensive line get him some weapons and really see what we have there so could this pick potentially be Panay Sewell if he falls there's a chance but I really think this is going to end up being a receiver and the question is going to be whether or not Cincinnati is going to go Jamar Chase or if they're going to take Panay Sewell I think at the end of the day you've got to take care of Joe Burrow the ACL the MCL I think Panay Sewell's off the board which then means this is going to end up being Jamar Chase and look, for everything that everybody said about what, what Devontae Smith did in that Heisman Trophy winning season in 2020, just think about what Jamar Chase did. The numbers that he put up 84 catches, 1,780 yards. That's an average of 21.2 yards per reception and 20 touchdowns. Then he runs a 4.3840 as his pro day, 41 inch vertical leap, a broad jump over 11 feet, elite explosiveness that you see on tape. It holds up. This is a guy who's going to bully corners on the outside. Uh, he, he's bigger. Uh, actually, plays a lot bigger than his frame would suggest. He's six foot two oh eight, but man, he plays a lot bigger than that. You know, not known for the the route running that Justin Jefferson has. But I think he does a really good job working off the line of scrimmage. uh, A lot of different releases that you're going to see the handwork to fight through press coverage as well. Once he gets that release, the body positioning allows him to be the only one to make a play on the football. I think he's just so difficult to, to bring down after the catch. He gets his alpha. And that's really the thing that that I see is is he's going to be that number one receiver. You've got Devontae Parker, you've got Preston Williams, and you've got Will Fuller. You really have some nice weapons that you're building around your quarterback, Tua Tongo Bailoa. So I I think Miami, another team that has two first-round picks. So what's Miami going to do at 18? Could it be Najee Harris time? It could. Because you look at Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed and there's really nothing to write home about there. But I, I think... This could also be a defensive player. And look, you know, there's the release of Kyle Van Noy. You trade Shaq, uh, Shaq Lawson. So all you have is Andrew Van Ginkel as your only edge rush. You're currently on the roster with the sack. So could it be Jalen Phillips? You stay in state and get a, a Miami Hurricane. Uh, you know, could he play? Could he play in a 34 defense at outside linebacker? You know, who knows? You know, do they land a situational pass rusher like Aziz Ojalari Possibly. Um, But I'm looking at a guy like Jeremiah Wusu koromoa and the versatility that he would bring. 6'1", 221 pounds. He's that new-age linebacker. Has that sideline-to-sideline range. Can bend coming off the edge as a pass rusher. Fills holes downhill. But look, he can line up against not only the running backs and receiver uh, tight ends, but he can also line up in the slot. Even put him outside. He lined up everywhere for Notre Dame and was making plays. It didn't matter where he lined up. Um, you know, and I think you look at a guy like uh, you know Isaiah Simmons and the way that he started to come on. He had a slow go to start things out there in Arizona. I think he's really starting to pick things up. And this is the chess piece that Brian Flores can really play with and move him all over the field. And yes, they, they do have uh, Rick McKinney to play with Jerome Baker there at inside linebacker. But I'm just looking at Jeremiah Wusukormo. It's a different dynamic, and I think. You know, he's one of those guys that Brian Flores can really have a, lo- a, lo- a lot of fun with trying to plug him into a lot of different situations and uh, really gives them some versatility there defensively. I think then at-, at pick number 36 in round number two, then you can go running back. Javante Williams out of North Carolina, 5'10", 220 pounds, the junior look, you know, racked up uh, nearly tw- uh, 2,100 yards and-, and caught 42 passes in the last two seasons for the Tar Heels. And you know, he's known for the strength between the tackles, the contact balance, refusing to go down after initial contact, but he also has excellent vision, sees that cutback lane, surprising lateral agility for a guy his size, actually able to cut on a dime and get to the hole, has a burst to the second level. He's not the home run hitter that Michael Carter might uh, might be, but I think Javante Williams is a guy that I think has a little bit more upside. Uh, because of his size and just some of that all-around versatility to his game. Um, And so I I think he'd be a nice pick there for Miami sitting there at number 36 um, in round number two. And then that second pick in round two, could it be an offensive lineman? It, It is entirely possible. I think they actually go back to the defensive side. You've got Bobby McCain, you've got Eric Rowe starting at safety. They're both under contract through the 2022 season. But the unit's really lacking playmakers. You've got Brandon Jones out there who's really going to be the future of that, you know, one of the safety spots. I think Richie Grant is the guy that could be that playmaker there in in the back end of that defense. As a sophomore in 2018, All-American, hauled in six interceptions, 106 tackles, tremendous range over the top against the pass, not afraid to, to mix it up coming downhill in the box against the run. This is a guy you who know, filled up the stat sheet, uh, over 290 tackles, 10 interceptions, 17 pass breakups, 11 and a half tackles for loss, and a, a sack to go along with it as well. Uh, he was a Thorpe Award finalist in 2020, put on a show at the Senior Bowl, showed off his instinct, that playmaking ability against the pass and the run, put that on the back end of Miami's defense. Again, another player that, that Brian Flores, another chess piece that he can add to that defense. And I think, you know, he's one of those guys that mad scientist sitting back there. And I think he's just gonna enjoy getting a lot of these, these additional players that he can really have a lot of fun with. So then that moves on to round number three. And round three, this is where we go off to tackle, I, I think. And when you look at it, you've got Austin Jackson. They're at left tackle. Uh, you've already drafted Robert Hunt. You've drafted Solomon Kinley. Robert Hunt, he's been playing out of position at right tackle. Allow him to kick inside to his more natural position there at guard and get your tackle. And I'm looking at a guy like Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. He's 6'8, 321 pounds. He's this year's Makai Beckton, just a mammoth offensive tackle, punishes defenders on the edge, throwing guys aside with ease, uh, but also surprisingly athletic for his size and incredibly powerful. You know, he's got an incredible length with those arms, you know, being as tall as he is, uh, but a 500 pound bench press which is impressive on its own, but when you think about that length, it is pretty staggering. The athleticism as well at his pro day. four eight eight forty, which is fast for a dude that's 6'8", 321 pounds, but not to mention showing that a bend and the change of direction. He was actually able to run that three-cone drill under seven seconds, 6.96. He's an ascending prospect. I think he could end up being a steal uh, at this point in the draft. Play him... At the right tackle position, you got Austin Jackson at the left tackle. You really short up that offensive line uh, moving into, into day number three for, for Miami. And uh, in Miami there to round things out. You get into round number four and but this was I had to think about this pick a little bit. I really had to kind of look at what Miami was was needing and you know Devon Godshall, you know he, he signed with New England and really Miami's on the market for a new nose tackle to really anchor the middle of the defense. You know they have Raekwon Davis, but I think Raekwon Davis is as much a a, fi- a five technique as he is a a nose tackle. And I'm looking at a guy like Tyler Shelvin, and I know, you know he's 6'4", 346 pounds. The endurance is something that you really worry about. Is he going to be in shape, especially after sitting out you know this past season? But the dude is massive. He's stout at the point of attack. He's just going to eat up blockers, allows those linebackers to make plays behind him. Think about Jeremiah Wusu koromoa Richie Grant, Bernardrick McKinney, Jerome Baker playing behind him. You know, that, that's the thing that, that you can get excited about uh, because this is a dude that's going to eat up a lot of blockers, take up a lot of space, lower body strength, allows him to anchor against double teams, wins with leverage and power, firing off the ball. Uh, I think he can give that interior presence for, for Brian Flores and, again, allows a lot of guys to play behind him. I think about, you know, Vince Wilfork and what you know he was able to do for, uh, for the New England Patriots. Now, Shelvin's not in the shape that, that Vince Wilfork was, but, you know, I think he's going to have to work on that and really build himself into uh, the player that, you know, Vince Woolfolk was. Um, but I think he's one of those guys that could really make a lot of difference there for that defense. And speaking of the Patriots, uh, that's really where we have to head next. And it's one of those things that's really kind of weird, um, you know, when you're looking at the Patriots and, uh, you know, you, you didn't really mention them. uh Winning the the AFC East. They finished third. Failed to make the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Now they do have Cam Newton back after his disappointing season. It kind of feels like a one-year rental to me. I think, you know, you look at the Patriots, they were uncharacteristically active during the first two days of free agency. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. It was just one, one move after the next. Uh, wide receiver was an area of need. So, you know, Belichick targets Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Uh, you know they needed tight ends so they target the top two tight ends hunter henry and johnny smith look they, they went after two tight ends in, in round three and dalton Keene and devin asiasi last year obviously they weren't satisfied with, with what they got there and uh they went ahead and got uh the top free agent guys there in uh in 2021 uh traded for trent brown to get the right tackle defensively short up their their front seven They get Matt Judon coming off the edge. Henry Anderson is a nice five technique. I mentioned Devon Godstraw as well. And then they signed Jalen Mills to add depth to the secondary. I mean, they just, one thing after another. So it kind of just, it doesn't fit the Bill Belichick mold to be that active. Um, But really the offseason's kind of been out of character. So it kind of almost feels like they're going to be in play to go up and get a quarterback. And which quarterback is it going to be? I feel like it's going to be Justin Fields out of Ohio State. You know, 6'3", 227 pounds. You know, the the precision passing that you saw there uh, for the Buckeyes. And, you know, a a kid, look, you know, 41 touchdowns, just three interceptions as a sophomore, completed 67.2% of his passes. Um, And then, you know, he, he shows up and, you know, Went five games before his first interception against Michigan State, didn't throw another pick until he threw the two against Clemson in the, in the college football playoff semifinal. Um, you know, and ultimately, you know, this is a kid, he, he led the charge to get the Big Ten back on the field during the pandemic. So he shows that leadership skills off the field, uh, and then he shows up, you know, over 70% completion percentage, throws for over 2100 yards, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions in eight games. And, you know, the arm strength, you saw that there. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, was fitting passes into tight windows. He's also a tremendous athlete, runs a 4 4 at, at his pro day, which is absolutely insane. Um, you know, and you look at him, this is a guy who was also insanely tough there in that Clemson game. Took that huge hit from, from James Skalski, who got ejected for targeting, ended up making it back, led his team to victory over Clemson. Got redemption in that game. But, you know, the thing that concerns me about him is he faced 10 ranked opponents, completed 61.2% of his passes during that time for over 2,400 yards, 23 touchdowns, and all nine interceptions in his career. When you look at what he did against the rest of his opponents completed 75.5% of his passes, uh, nearly 2,900 yards, 40 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So that's really the big thing that you worry about. Um, you know, the, the four ranked opponents—Indiana, Northwestern, Clemson, and Alabama—managed to complete just 58.5% of his passes for just 993 yards, nine touchdowns, and six interceptions. You know, and, and so that's the thing that. You know, kind of sticks out. You know, he, he had a dominant performance there against Clemson in, in that college football playoff semifinal, 384 yards uh, in that game. And uh, he, he's a guy, when I think about Justin Fields, uh, you, you worry about whether or not he can process everything in front of him. You know, it seems like he stared down receivers at times. Some of the, you know, he was predetermined with where he was going to go with the football. Even if there was coverage there, he was still going to find a way to fit the ball in. And he still was able to do that a lot of the time. He won't be able to get away with that at the next level, and that's the big biggest thing that's a concern. But I think, you know, the Trey Lance is such a, a question mark right now in terms of, of what you're going to get there. I think Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, they're looking at him, and and they're saying Justin Fields can be a guy that we can coach up, and he can be our quarterback. Um, let him play under you know Cam Newton for a year, and he'll end up being our guy. So Justin Fields. Comes off the board in round number one to the Patriots. So, what do the Patriots do in round number two? They're to really kick off day two of the draft. So, what I'm looking at there for the Patriots at that at this point is you know I think they still need to go after that linebacker position. Dante Hightower, hey, he's back after the 2020 season uh, sat out due to the uh, concerns around the pandemic. Um, but I, I don't think that stops them from looking for his eventual replacement. Look, he's he's never played in 16 games in a season. Actually, did just once in his nine nine seasons played in the league. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'm looking at a guy like Baron Browning, and he just feels like a Bill Belichick guy. Three down player, high football IQ, perfect fit. Uh, ran a four five one forty at his pro day, so he's, he's tremendously athletic. He and Pete Werner were lining up against receivers in the slot. So a lot of times they didn't have to – they could still play with three linebackers uh, because you had such athletic guys there on the outside. You can bend coming off the edge a little bit, 19 tackles for loss, uh, you know, a menace – Uh, Playing right around the line of scrimmage as as well, he's one of those guys who I think could be an impact starter at the next level, and he's just one of those guys that I think Bill Belichick is going to cover. He's going to love getting this guy in, and uh, I think he's going to see the field early. And again, I think he's going to be an impact starter for for the Patriots. So then we move on to round number three, and uh, the Patriots' their first pick there is going to be at uh, ninety-seven. It's a compensatory pick, and. you know, according to NFL draft, uh, I'm sorry, NFL data scientist Tom Blitz, Tom Bliss, excuse me, the uh, Patriots run more sub packages than traditional alignments in 2020. So I, I think New England is still going to use a pick on on a someone in the secondary. We still don't know what's going to happen with with Stephon Gilmore long term. Uh, I'm looking at a guy like Benjamin Saint Just uh, out of Minnesota. He's 6'3", 205. He's a big corner. Um, but moves really well for a guy his size, you know, decent transitions, uh, able to drive on the football in a hurry, 10 pass breakups in 2019, uh, also able to climb the ladder, uh, can undercut the route coming downhill, uh, uses that length to, to make a play on the football. Um, he's one of those guys, I think just that length and his, his playmaking ability makes a lot of sense you know, for, for Bill Belichick as well. Um, so you move on to day three, and you're looking at the the fourth round. Where are the Patriots going to go next? I, I think they're going to get a receiver. Um, I, I think they're not done uh, at at addressing the wide receiver position. And, and look, when you look, talk wide receiver, they could go earlier. The draft, they draft. They signed Nelson Aguilar. They they signed Kel, uh, Kendrick Bourne, and you have you know Jacoby Myers who played really well. Uh, Last season, Nikhil Harry's been kind of a disappointment. You need to address that receiver position. Then they could use either a second or third round pick on a receiver. I think it's entirely possible. Uh, but if they wait until round four, you can get a guy like Cade Johnson, a 5'10, 184 pounder out of S- uh, South Dakota State. Dynamic weapon, quicker than he is fast, but he does have some juice to stretch defenses vertically. Runs a force, you know, sub four, 5'40. Uh, known for being sudden, in and out of his breaks, creates separation through his route running. Put up huge numbers for the Jackrabbits, posting back-to-back seasons with over 1,200 yards receiving and 25 total touchdowns during that time frame as well. Could be a, a weapon in the return game. I think that'd be a nice fit for the Patriots in round four. And then they got to shore up that offensive line a little bit. Shaq Mason there at right guard. Um, I think they need some depth at the offensive tackle position as well. I'm looking at Jackson Carmen, 6 6'5", 317-pounder there out of, out of Clemson. And he's got some short arms, but he's incredibly wide, so it makes his wingspan you know a lot a lot longer than, than the 32 inch arms that he has his wingspans I think 82 inches which is insane um, but I worry about him against speed rushers I worry about whether or not he could hold up as a right tackle but as a guard I think he has uh, has starter potential um, so that feels like another guy that Bill Belichick and company could coach up and being one of those guys there that could end up being a steal there in round number four. Look, they ended up getting Michael on You have him on one side, Jackson Carmen on the other. You can really make things interesting there for the Patriots up front. So we're going to move on to the Buffalo Bills. And when we talk about the Buffalo Bills, uh, this is a team I think they're really going to be looking at some luxury picks. Because this is a team that has a roster that I don't think you need to make a ton of changes. Right now, you know, and you look at it, they made significant strides. You know, they're uh, win, win the AFC East. You've got Josh Allen there uh, under center. You know, Sean McDermott, he's going to have some options. You know, Matt Milano signed that four year, $44 million deal. And so now they can focus uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I think. You know, Deion Dawkins, we thought was going to be the lone lock for a starting spot. They re sign Daryl Williams. They lose John Brown, opposite Stephon Diggs. Then they end up signing Emmanuel Sanders to take care of that as well. I think you know there's a chance they could end up taking a corner to pair up with Jordavius uh, White, and then you know Jerry Hughes and, and Mario Addison. They're uh, they're getting up there in age. They're you know 33 and 34 years of age respectively. Um, but I'm looking at that running back position, and yes, they have Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and Matt Breida now. But I think they're going to take a page out of Kansas City's handbook. They had a crowded backfield. They still drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire, number 32 overall. And the fact is, is they need a versatile running back to be a threat on the ground and in the passing game. You know, this is a pass-first offense with Josh Allen at the helm, so you need a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield. Neither Zach Moss nor Matt Breda uh, are really much of a threat in the passing game. You look at Travis Etienne, nearly 5,000 yards on the ground and 100 career receptions. That makes him the perfect target. At number 30, 5'10", 205 out of Clemson. This is a guy, he was a speed run, you know, run, uh, runner there for Clemson in his first two years. Really hit the weights, built up that lower body strength. Suddenly, the, the contact balance was insane. You know, The thing that I worry about him is you know, I don't think he can be the bell cow. You know, I talked to Brian Shaw uh, you know, a few podcasts ago who's a, a big Clemson fan. He, he's a Clemson alum. And we were in agreement that this is a guy, he's not going to be a Najee Harris. He's not going to be able to hand the ball off to him and let him go get you yards at the end of the game. Um, but you allow him to play in space, he can make you miss. He just won't be able to create on his own. Um, but you allow him to to be a route runner. You allow him to get into space. You know you don't need him to be the guy that's going to, to get a lot of those harder yards. You've got Zach Moss. You've got Devil, Devin Singletary. Take, take care of some of that. Travis Etienne can fill one of those roles and I think because you know the luxury there with some of the guys coming back especially Matt Milano that was a huge uh, re-signing that allows them to be able to get some of that flexibility here in in round one. Round two target the the corner opposite Tredavious White Tyson Campbell out of Georgia makes a lot of sense 6'2", 185 pounds this is a guy look he's big he's physical uses his length to his advantage played some of the SEC's top uh, receivers and, and held up Pretty well, you know. He's a guy that could have been either a, a late first or early second, but there's a lot of tape on him getting beat. Uh, but he did run a 4.37.40 at his pro day. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be in a second rounder. And look for a guy who's six two, 185 pounds. He moves really well, and so that would bode well for him. And uh, I, I think he's a guy that you know could be a sneaky. Uh, could sneak his way into a starting job there, possibly on week one there with the Bills opposite Tre'Davious White. And then the Bills, you know, we're looking at uh, number ninety-four overall in the third round. And I mentioned Hughes and Addison. Um, you know, they need an infusion of of youth up front, along with with AJ Epinesa Cam Sample out of out of Tulane, six-two, two hundred seventy-four pounds. Cameron Sample uh, finished his career with 20, uh, twenty and a half tackles for loss, ten and a half sacks, seven pass breakups. And this is a guy, look, you know, you saw the growth in his final year at Tulane. Um, finished with a career high, five and a half sacks. And and really followed that up with a solid performance at the Senior Bowl. Then at his pro day, runs a four seven nine forty 9.40 and a 37-inch vertical leap. So he's explosive. I think he ultimately is a guy that a lot of people have him coming off the board either in the fourth or fifth round. I think he's a guy who did enough. You know, really, not only during the season but after the season as well, to really slide his name into late uh, round, uh, round three consideration. And I think that's really where the the Buffalo Bills can end up taking him. They don't have a pick in round four. That went to the the Minnesota Vikings, but I think you know the the Bills have a lot that they can build upon already. So I think they'll end up finding you know some offensive linemen. really for some depth purposes there more than anything else. Um, they could probably still use a, another receiver. I think possibly a tight end as well. Uh, you know, Dawson Knox uh, hasn't been overly productive there. They, they've brought in Jacob Hollister as well. Uh, I think they need to get another tight end, uh, possibly another defensive tackle as well. Uh, so we'll see exactly how all of this plays out for Buffalo when it's all said and done. So that's the AFC East. I know we spent a lot of time on the afc east so we're gonna to have to kind of pick things up pick up the pace as we get into the nfc east or we'll be here all night so we're gonna go ahead real quickly let's take a look at the dallas cowboys and look dallas defense 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 i think that's really what you have to do if you're dallas um you know there, there's talk that maybe this will be an offensive lineman you need to find tyron smith's you know eventual replacement and I, agree, I do agree with that to an extent, but I think that can end up happening later on in the draft. Let's not complicate things. Get your corner, pair up Patrick Sertan with Travon Diggs, and get your corners there, your Bama, your Bama connection, and let things go from there. You know, Sertan, you know, he has the bloodlines with his father. You see the football IQ. Um, if you heard me talk yesterday about him, you know, press man coverage, That's really what you like about him. Struggles a little bit in in off coverage, to be honest with you. I think some of that change of direction um, messes with him a little bit. But press man, you you put him out on an island, you allow him to get physical with a receiver, he's going to reroute you. He's going to make you really earn any of your yards. So I really like that pick for for the Cowboys. Look, they also need an edge rusher. Uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence was really the only edge rusher on the roster with at least four sacks. To make matters worse, Tyrone Crawford announced his retirement. So you need an impact pass rusher. And, and you look at a guy like Jason Owe, a lot of people have him coming off the board in round number one. He's 6'5", 252 pounds, ran a 4'3", 6'40", 39 inch vertical leap, broad jump of 11 feet, 2 inches. And that'll really make you take notice. You know, and I think people were expecting him to build off of what he did in 2019 with that five, the five sacks. But he was on a roster with Yator Gross, Matos, and Micah Parsons. When teams were focusing on him more, I think you know that's really where he struggled to to really get off blocks. Uh, didn't record a single sack in seven games. Uh, it doesn't mean that he's, uh, you know, it doesn't scream that he's a can not miss edge prospect. But it also doesn't mean that he he wasn't. Uh, you know, able to get into the backfield and, and disrupt the quarterback a little bit. I really want to see him take advantage of his length more. He's got 34 and a half inch arms. I want to see him play a little bit quicker off the ball, get into the backfield before the quarterback's out of his drop. Uh, but look, you know, this is a kid who just started playing football his junior year of high school. Leecher report also brought up a good point that look, you know, they, they've compared him to OA uh, or OA to the Daniel Hunter who just posted one and a half sacks in his junior season at LSU and five and a half total in his career and has now become a force for Minnesota. Three double digit sack seasons in the five years that he's been in the league. Jason Owe has a chance to do the same thing opposite to Marcus Lawrence. And look, we know that Jerry Jones loves athletes. You saw, you know, he was drooling about Kyle Pitts. You have a chance to get a freak like that in round two. You know, Jerry Jones is going to pull the trigger and take Jason Owe there. I think that makes way too much sense. You're looking at round three. Cow- Cowboys have a couple of picks in round three, and I said that it was going to be defense, defense, defense. So why am I going offense here? Well, I was thinking about the whole Kyle Pitts talk, and yes, they don't have an explosive tight end. Revin Jordan out of Miami, 6'3", 235 pounds. You've got Blake Jarwin. you got Dalton Schultz. They've showed up really well, but Jordan's going to be an athletic guy. He uh, can block really well. Physical blocker. Uh, you know, I think he can stretch defenses, make plays after the catch. the one thing that you worry about is he's only played in 26 games over the last three years hasn't played in a full season with the Hurricanes so that could be enough to drop his draft stock um, and and make him a pick there in round number three Uh, and then offensive tackle I think at some point you got to find Tyron Smith's eventual replacement. You know Tyron Smith, look, four-time All-Pro, named twice you know, to the first team and twice to the second team, seven consecutive Pro Bowl selections between 2013 and 2019. 2020 ends up missing all but two games due to a neck injury, and he's actually missed at least four games in each of the last four seasons. This guy's next stop is going to be Canton. If he went healthy, he's still one of the best tackles in the league. You just don't know how long he's going to be, be there. And so you need to find his eventual replacement. I'm looking at Stone Forsyth out of uh, Florida, 6'8", 307. Really a guy flying under the radar there in Gainesville, Florida. Excellent movement skills for a guy his size. Um, I love the length. Um, I want to see him get a little bit stronger in in generating movement in the running man. Definitely nimble, stays on his toes. And uh, I think he can end up developing under uh, Tyron Smith before eventually taking over whenever Tyron Smith decides to move on. So you move on to round number four. What are the Cowboys going to be doing in round four? I'm a lot higher on this guy than a lot of other other guys. And I'm talking about Darius Stills out of uh, West Virginia. When you watched him play, it just seemed like he was firing off the ball in opposing backfields left and right. If he wasn't actually making the play, he was disrupting it enough to allow somebody else to make a play, he and his brother down the stretch were really a formidable duo there for uh, the Mountaineers. I think you have him push on Antoine Woods for playing time. That really allows Neville Gallimore and Tristan Hill to really split time at three technique. You know, and look, 23 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks at, at the nose tackle. This is a guy who's usually attacking that inside. Uh, Inside, you know, the interior lineman's outside shoulder, getting into the backfield, using that low low pad level, good strength point of attack and explosive burst off the ball, speed the power and just shooting gaps. He's only 6'1", 285, but man, he plays a lot bigger than, than that size would indicate. I like him. There's some people that have him coming off the board much later than I do, but I think fourth round would be great for the Cowboys. And then they need a safety as well. They signed Keanu Neal to play alongside Donovan Wilson, but I think they need to get another safety. I like Damar Hamlin out of Pittsburgh. Look, 6'1", 195 pounds, a guy that can play play the center field. He can cover a little bit in the slot as well. I think he's versatile, a lot more versatile than than, uh, than Paris, uh, Paris Ford. Uh, there for, for Pittsburgh. Ran a disappointing 40 time at his pro day. But look, you know he's got the cover skills. You can play on the back end. You have him there as your third safety and really see what you have. But um, I might be a little higher on him than, than others as well. But I, I just think he'd be a nice fit there in Dallas. So moving on to the Giants. The Giants, what's interesting about them is they're sitting there at number 11. And they have a chance to potentially get... Micah Parsons. If the Broncos don't take him at nine, this can be where he comes off the board. You know, I think they need a linebacker. They need really help at the edge rush position. And, uh, you know, I know that there were some issues off the field, the hazing lawsuit. You know, he was never actually uh, named as a defendant in the suit or anything like that. Uh, So there are questions about his character. But look, the defensive line coach there for the Giants, I don't know if you know this, but uh, it's Sean Spencer, who was a coach at Penn State through 2019. So if there's anybody that knows the kid, it's going to be a guy that was coaching him there at Penn State. And I think he'd be a nice, nice uh, player there alongside Blake Martinez, that steady player, but it gives him that explosiveness there and a guy that can get after the quarterback. If he's there, if he's not there, then, you know, really what are the Giants going to do? There's a mess there along that offensive line. What do you do with Nate Solder? You know, what's with, with, uh, with, with, uh, Andrew Thomas, is he going to play better than what he's got? you got Matt Pert. Um, you, know, you brought in uh, Zach Fulton to, to take on one of the guard positions, but you know Will Hernandez and, and Shane Lemieux just not going to get it done at the other guard position. Could this be where Rashawn Slater comes off the board? If he's there, I have him going to Carolina at number eight, so he won't be there. So I think you go receiver. Wait, receiver? Why? You got Kenny Galladay. You brought in John Ross. You already have Darius Slayton, and you have Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate. What in the world are you doing taking another receiver? You also brought in Kyle Rudolph, a veteran tight end. What in the world makes you think you're going to take a receiver? Well, you bring in a guy like Devontae Smith, a guy that that uh, is going to be dynamic working out of the slot. He brings a different dynamic to this to the table than what you have there on your roster. And I think that's one of the things Dave Gettleman always talks about, looking for the best player available, looking to continue to upgrade. I think he got that with Devontae Smith. Look, yes, he's only 166 pounds, uh, but he plays a lot bigger than that. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, this dude looked pretty much uncoverable uh, at times during the season. And I think this is a guy... You, know, you really need to help out Daniel Jones. The jury still is out on the former number six overall pick. Get the receiver, and then you can go ahead and address some of the other positions there on day two and day three. So the Giants in the second round, you know, I, I think, again, they need to address that pass rush. And I'm looking at Carlos Boogie Basham there out of Wake Forest, 6'4", 285. Let him team with Leonard Williams. You already have uh, Dexter Lawrence, and I think Lawrence and, and Dalvin Tomlinson, you put uh, Carlos Boogie Basham there, gives you four guys up front that can really get after the quarterback. And, and look, you know, Basham, another physical freak, nonstop motor. This is a dude, you know bench pressed over 400 pounds, squatted over 700, 19 and a half sacks, 35 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, 36 inch vertical leap as well, which is insane. I mean in terms of that explosiveness. Uh, doesn't necessarily bend well off the edge but the hand usage still allows him to get off blocks in a hurry. Uses those secondary moves to get after the quarterback and can pressure him within as well. Uh, So I I like that pick going to the Giants there in round number two. You move on to round three, and uh, Giants can go in a couple of different directions, but I'm actually going to add to that pass rush. Outside linebacker, I'm looking at Chris Rumpf out of Duke. 6'3", 244 pass. And look, the Giants... Yeah, they had 40 sacks last year, but the trio of Atlanta Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, they ended up with 19 of those sacks. Only one outside linebacker had more than two sacks, and that was Kyler Fackrell, who's now with the Chargers. And I look at Chris Rumpf. This is a guy, 17 and a half sacks, improved his sack totals each of the three seasons there with the Blue Devils. And look... You know, he doesn't set a great edge, you know, lacks some size, anticipates the snap counts, You know, jumps off sides, but you love the motor. This is the guy that can bend really well, dips underneath the hands of the, of the offensive tackle before flattening out and getting into the quarterback. Runs really well in space, fluid athlete. I think that makes a lot of sense for the Giants there on the outside. Get a pass rusher because you're desperately in need of one. So I think that makes sense there in round number three. And then round four, Saquon Barkley. Look, he tore his ACL. A real blow uh, to the franchise. Ground game never recovered. Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, Deion Lewis. They combined for just over 1,200 yards on the ground. Devontae Freeman was brought in for five games. That experiment didn't pan out. Ultimately, I think the Giants, they're on the market for a complimentary back for Barkley. And I'm looking at Chuba Hubbard six foot 208 this is another guy he's one of the more explosive backs in the draft battled injuries this past season only managed to really see action in seven games but before that he was eighth in the Heisman voting after posting 2,904 yards I'm sorry 2,094 yards 21 touchdowns on the ground this is the type of guy that's going to make you miss in the hole he's a lot like Travis Etienne in that way but all he needs is a crease, and he's going to be able to go the distance. I don't like his footwork. I don't like Etienne's footwork. But you get him out in space, and these are guys that can be a weapon. And look, Juba Hubbard hauled in 45 passes in his first two seasons in Stillwater with the Cowboys. I like that pick as well. Um, you know, I think it just makes a lot of sense for, for the Giants to have uh, a receiving option. Uh, they're backing up Saquon Barkley, which leads us to the Eagles. Eagles trade down to number 12. Could they potentially be on the market for a quarterback? Uh, you know, Nick Sirianni did not name Jalen Hurts as a starter, so it's entirely possible now that Carson Wentz is gone. Uh, you know, the Eagles are a lot to lot to address here. Uh, if there's a receiver on the board, you know they're gonna take it. Um, but Kyle Pitts won't be there. And then with, with Chase, Waddle, and Smith, I don't think any of them are gonna be on the board by the time the Eagles are drafting at 12. So the Eagles really have to kind of change things up. Micah Parsons will be a great pick here because their linebacker play has been terrible. Uh, Jeremiah Usu Koramola would be a nice pickup as well. Um, they can even go after an edge rusher because gone are the days of Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, even Javon Kurse and Hugh Douglas. Uh, so you could definitely see even a guy like Quiddy Pay or, uh, or Jalen Smith. I'm sorry, Jalen Phillips come off the board. At the end of the day, though, I'm looking at a corner. Even though they haven't drafted a corner in the first round since Lito Shepard back in 2002, now is the time. Avante Maddox, not an outside corner, move him inside, get the top corner on my draft board in, in JC Horn, and let him play a, a, opposite Darius Slay. I think that makes a lot of sense. This is a dude that can play in man coverage, he can play in zone, even though he's best as a press man. Uh, you know, In off coverage as well, does a really good job maintaining depth on double moves, flips those hips, puts him in bail technique, maintains inside leverage allowing it to read the quarterback and attack the football when it's in the air instinctive has that at the bloodlines as well joe horn was his father the, the excellent receiver there uh in the in the nfl um i, I think it's going to make a lot of sense getting a guy like jc horn there for the eagles then you can go ahead and get your receiver in round two don't reach for a receiver in round one go ahead and get one in round two Rondale moore out of purdue 5 980 pounds This is a guy that can be your your, your number one receiver as long as he can stay healthy. You know, he he got hurt in in both of his, you know, his sophomore and junior seasons. But look, as a freshman, 114 receptions, over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, freshman All-America. You know, this is a guy, if injury doesn't derail his career, we could potentially be talking about him as a top 10 pick. When healthy, few exhibit the, the explosiveness off the ball, the suddenness with the route running. You know, really the biggest thing you worry about, you almost have to tone back uh, the weight room prowess. You know, he's working out with the offensive line, bench pressing 405, uh, 600-pound squat. You know, the injuries and everything, let's kind of dial that back a little bit um, and really allow him to to let the play on the field do the talking. And I mentioned that the the linebacker play uh, has been shaky. If they don't do anything in the first two rounds with that linebacker position, I think the Eagles, what they could do is get a guy like Pete Werner in round three. 6'3", 239, plays like a safety. And I mentioned that earlier about him with uh, you know, with Baron Browning playing on the outside. At 6'3", 239 pounds, you see the fluid hips lining up over the receivers in the slot, flies downhill, shooting gaps, both against the run and as a blitzer. Tremendous open field tackler. I, I think that versatility, the Eagles need help at the linebacker position, and that versatility, I think, would, would really go a long way and now they have a pick at number 85 thanks to the colts with that that uh, trade of of carson wentz i'm looking at jason kelsey he signed a one-year deal this offseason he's entering the season 33 years of age i think you got to find his eventual replacement landon dickerson to me you know he, he's a talent that can come off the board in round one or even round two but i think the injuries all the acl tears at uh Florida State and then he tears his ACL again there at Bama that's his third season ending injury of his career major medical red flags um, but look this is a dude who's physical at the point of attack tremendous length he's gonna jolt you back and then once he gets you off balance and gets his hands on you he's driving you and planting you um, I think you know he gets to learn from Jason Kelsey and look They'll have two of the best characters in all of uh, all of NFL football. Uh, these are two guys that are. That I, I think they'll have a great time together there in, in that offensive line room. Uh, but I think you can learn a lot from Kelsey before taking over things there at the pivot for the Eagles. And then finally, we get into round number four. And, uh, you know, really with the Eagles at that point, at that point in the draft, they, they wound up trading away their you know, number 112 overall uh, to the Browns. So that's really where the Eagles stop with, uh, with with this for this point. But uh, I think, look, you get a corner, a receiver, a linebacker, a center. I think you start moving things, start putting some of those pieces together. I think after that, round five, you're looking for an edge rusher. I think that's probably the next move after that. And then finally, we've got to go to the Washington football team. No, they still don't have... A, a new mascot named. Um, you know, we're still waiting on that. But uh, football team right now it is. Um, and look, you know, 2020 it was the feel-good story. You know, Ron Rivera beating cancer, Alex Smith making the improbable return uh, from that gruesome leg injury two years ago. Um, two guys that you know, much respect to both of them. What are they going to do with their pick in round number one? Um, I think you know Terry McLaurin needs some help there. They really held up that 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 receiving core with, with duct tape and bubble gum. Uh, when you've got guys like, you know, Kelvin Harmon going down to an ACL, you've got, uh, a hamstring injury. I believe that that kept Anto- uh, Antonio Gandy golden out. Um, you know, Emmanuel hall was, was battling an injury as well. Nobody could really stay healthy. You ended up having cam Sims, Steven Sims, Jr. And Isaiah, Wright Really filling out the receiving core. So, you know, Rashawn Bateman, um, Godarius Toney, Terrace Marshall, they all make sense. You could also get an offensive tackle, although, you know, you've got Jerome Christian, Cornelius Lucas, City Charles, all there at left tackle. Are you going to get another left tackle? I mean, it's entirely possible, but I think you wait until day two to make that happen. Uh, I ultimately am looking at that linebacker position. Cole, Cole Holcomb, a fifth round pick last year, he's definitely a keeper. Can man either the Sam or the Mike, but uh, John Bossack's in the final year of his deal. Ryan Anderson, Kevin Pierre-Lewis are gone. I'm looking at my favorite player in the entire draft, David Collins, 6'4", 260. He's now bulked up to 271 pounds. Um, you know, a guy that moves really well. Uh, you see the vision. Uh, he makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that has that sideline-to-sideline side speed. Uh, and then, look, you know, this is a guy who had four interceptions, really put a lot together there, dropping into coverage, really dynamic. That 96-yard walk-off pick-six to beat Tulane in, in overtime. When they, when Tulsa, when the Golden Hurricane needed to make a play, Zayvon Collins was there. Really, a, a cerebral, intelligent player. This is a guy you know, who was his uh, high school's valedictorian there at Hominy High in uh, in Hominy, Oklahoma. Um, I, I think Zavin would make a lot of sense there for Washington there on the defensive side of the football. I, I know Washington is going to want to address that offense. To, to really match up with, with that defense. But you sure get that linebacker and you can really focus on the offense on day two, which is exactly what they do with, with number 51 overall. You know, Samuel Cosby, look, 6'6", 314 pounds, bends well for a guy his size, light on his feet. You know, He's a guy that, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, his blocks either led to a touchdown or a first down. Uh, with, uh, let's see, 25 uh, to go along with 28 knockdown blocks, uh, still a little bit of finesse guy, uh, has 33-inch arms, could kick into inside the guard, but I think he'll end up being a tackle when it's all said and done, and uh, you know, he can end up taking over that left tackle spot. I think that does make some sense there for Washington. Um, and then you move on to round three, and at some point, Washington's going to have to figure out what they're going to do at the quarterback position, and uh, oh, why not go ahead and get your, your future quarterback You've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's the ultimate stopgap quarterback. If there's any bridge quarterback, it's going to be him. Signed a one-year deal, $10 million, 38 years of age. He's going to be the starter in 2021. But look at Kyle Trask out of Florida, 6'5", 239. And I look at him, he bided his time there at Florida. Ends up fourth in the Heisman, voting over 4,200 yards, 43 touchdowns, just eight interceptions. Arm strength's been under fire. But there's no question with that ability to read defenses, throw with the anticipation and accuracy and then the ball placement, that'll give him a chance at the next level. And I think round three is really where he should come off the board. I've heard talk that there may be uh, all the quarterbacks, uh, you know, can end up coming off the board in round two. And when I say all the quarterbacks, I'm talking about Davis Mills, um, you know, Kyle Trask, and Kellen Mond. Um, I just don't see that happening, or at least it shouldn't happen. I know teams are desperate for quarterbacks, but come on, let's let's be realistic here. Um, I think at the end of the day, Kyle Trask in round three makes a lot of sense. And then I mentioned the receivers. You get Dwayne Eskridge out of West, uh, Western, I'm sorry, Western Michigan, uh, 5'9", 190 pounds. This is a dude, legit 4'3", speed, generating repeated separation with the route running and his speed and the acceleration there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, really solidified his day two status this is a guy who's explosive I think you pair him up with uh, uh, a guy like Terry McLaurin Scary Terry and you really got some things that you're going to make teams really think about on the on the opposite side I think it's really going to be a lot of fun to watch and then Washington what else are they going to do well in round number four uh, Anthony Gibson I'm sorry Antonio Gibson solid rookie season led the team in rushing just under 800 yards 11 touchdowns JD McKinnick solidified himself as the number two back, second on the team with 80 receptions. Neither one of them is really gonna be that power back and downhill ability. Looking at Trey Sermon out of Ohio State, six foot, 215, not much of a factor in the passing game, but look, just turn on that, that, that game against Northwestern where he ran for 331 yards. That's really where his draft stock actually moved up and put him into that fourth round consideration. And I think Washington, that'd be a nice fit for him. So as we continue to move along, we're at about the hour mark, so we're really going to have to fly through the south and uh, and try to pick things up a little bit, so that we don't have a, a three four hour podcast when it's all said and done. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take a look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville, they got a ton of picks, so we got to kind of rattle through these pretty quickly. But uh, the Jaguars, you got Trevor Lawrence. We know he's going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, a lot of people think he's a generational type talent. And, you know, I think he could definitely, you know, he fits the bill. But, you know, for what he does on the field, he also does a lot off the field. I think he's going to represent the franchise well. At number 25, Urban Meyer, look, he's going to, he knows that to really win, you need to shore up that offensive and defensive line. And the way I have things shaken out with this is I actually have Pay on the board and this is a guy, look, he generated a pressure rate of 23%, according to Sports Info Solutions, 25 pressures in just four games, even though he only got two sacks. Uh, so this is a guy, he's tremendously versatile. I ran a hand time 4 um, 5 bends really well. You see him with that flexibility coming off the edge, dipping that inside shoulder. Plays with excellent power in his hands. There's a variety of moves. A guy that can, can beat you to the inside. And really, they played him at defensive tackle quite a bit. I think the Jags can get creative with him and Josh Allen. Uh, you know, I think that really makes things interesting there for the Jaguars. They're in round number one. So if you get Lawrence and Pay, you know that would really be a nice start to their draft. And then, oh yeah, number 33. What about Baby Gronk? Pat Fryer move 6'5", 258 you get a, a a junior uh tight end here a knack for finding the end zone 16 touchdowns in his three seasons really reminiscent of gronk in that way also really a good blocker um, can stretch the defenses up the seam i like that pick I, I think you know really with the jags you know their tight end production really there wasn't much there uh tyler eifert james o'shaughnessy just tallied six 611 yards between them Um, You know, neither tight end finished. I'm sorry, no other tight end finished in the top 10 in receptions either. Um, You know, Eifert was brought back. He was let go, but then brought back. Um, I I think ultimately getting Friermuth would be a huge win there at number 33 overall, even if it is a little bit of a reach. At number 45, you know, I I think you've got the franchise tag on Cam Robinson. Holding down Trevor Lawrence's blindside in 2021, you want to have the veteran presence doing that. But I think there's also an immediate need at guard, because I think A.J. Kane can could end up being a cap casualty. Add a versatile lineman like uh, Alex Leatherwood, the reigning Outland Trophy winner, uh, a guy who has the versatility to play inside at guard or outside at tackle. He's done both there for, for Bama. And this is a dude, he's physical at the point of attack, plows forward, opening up giant holes for, for Najee Harris. Could do a lot of the same there for James Robinson. 6'5", 310 pounds. You play him at guard right away, and then if Cam Robinson walks, you move him outside the tackle. I think it makes a lot of sense. So, after that pick, they're in round number two, you move on to round three, and yes, the Jags, once again, at the top of round number three, what are they gonna do? You get a defensive tackle, right? We already talked about the offensive line. You also address the defensive line. Taven Bryan's been a disappointment to this point. You signed Malcolm, Malcolm Brown. You need more depth up front. Get Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech. Could be a second rounder. He's 6'3", 284, 19 tackles for loss, 10 sacks in his final two seasons there with the Bulldogs. First step quickness is ridiculous. Um, 4'6", 140, 38.5 inch vertical leap. Uh, Also ran a 6'8", 73 cone drill, which is ridiculous. And he put up 34 reps in the bench press. Workout warrior, yes, but the production also matches up as well. Uh, he's a guy to me I think third round would be a great value there for the Jags get a guy who can uh you know generate some pressure getting into the backfield collapse in the pocket from within I really like that pick so the Jags after that where are we at round number four I think you need to get another another freshman I'm sorry another safety in there you've got a lot of safeties but they're really lacking a, a playmaker you know uh, Andrew Wingard uh Jared Wilson, you you have Daniel Thomas from last year. You brought in uh, you know some some guys there. I I look at Caden Stearns, six foot two oh seven. This is a guy. It really played well his freshman season. Never really lived up to that production. Ran a 4 440 42-inch vertical leap. So you know that he's one of the more explosive and fluid athletes. I think at the end of the day, if Jacksonville can coach him up, he can end up starting for that franchise when it's all said and done. I think he has that type of potential. It's just will he ever be able to live that, you know, and so that's really the big question there. And then at 131 overall, Jaguar sitting there again. Um, I mentioned, you know, defensive end. You, you've you got the uh, you know, DeJuan Smoot that you re-signed, Jihan Ward um, is on the roster as well, and then Clayman Chasen. You know, but I'm looking at uh, Deo Odengbo. Get another edge rusher in there. You know, you already have Fuddy Pay. You get Odengbo in there as well, uh, and you just shore up that offensive line. Odengbo, you know, tore his uh, his Achilles. I know what that's all you know all about. It, it's a, a painful injury and one that you know takes time to recover from. But look, 26 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. You know you're not going to have him really in 2021. You can shelve him for a year and then bring him back in 2022. And depending on what you have up front, you could potentially have uh, you know, Josh Allen, Quidi Pei, Theo Dengbo, Dewan Smooth. That's a pretty nice rotation of edge rushers when it's all said and done. So I think Jaguars, with all their picks... You could end up stashing a guy like uh, Odangbo for a year and be just fine. So after the Jags, we're going to go ahead and move on to the Indianapolis Colts. And obviously the Colts, we know what happened this offseason. They ended up getting their quarterback in Carson Wentz now that Philip Rivers retired. And you need to take care of him, right? Anthony Consanzo's gone. He's turned that, that, that line over to Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and Ryan Kelly but you need to get another tackle in there. I'm looking at Tevin Jenkins. He's 6'5", 320 pounds. This is a dude who, who's physical, um, You know, played right tackle primarily at, at Oklahoma State, but he actually started the 2020 season in left tackle, and injury forced him back to the right side. Um, but really, the one play that, that you need to, all you need to know, put on the game film against Texas, watch him against uh, a Joseph Osai. There was an outside zone play. Worked him down the line. Drove him another five yards down the field and then planted him on the sideline. Uh, just incredible strength, incredible power. Uh, and as a pass protector, has a knee bend, sits down well. Nice kick slide, surprisingly nimble for a player known for his physicality. He's the weak one starter. Let's not mess around Colts. Go ahead and get your offensive tackle, and then you can address some of your other concerns later on in the draft. Um, you know, they do need an edge rusher, Justin Houston and Danico Watri, who combined for 15 and a half of the team's 40 sacks, they're, they're gone, they're not on the roster. Get a guy like Ronnie Perkins, 6'2", 253 out of Oklahoma, this is a guy, you know, he, he sat out, you know, missed five games due to the, the marijuana test that caused him to miss the, uh, the, the Peach Bowl, and after that suspension, he changed the whole complexion of the Sooner defense. One man wrecking crew coming off the edge. And suddenly this was a team that was inspired playing defense. They lost two games early on to K-State and Iowa State. And that nonstop motor was infectious. Suddenly you had four and five Sooners rallying to the football. The Crimson and Cream was everywhere. And that energy is exactly what Indy could use on the defensive side of the football. So you move on to round number three. What are the Colts going to do there? You know, it's interesting that we say that because the Colts actually don't have a third round pick so they're not actually going to do anything unless they try to trade into uh, into that round I just don't see that happening they traded uh, traded with, with Philly in that Carson Wentz deal so that's one less pick for them there um, but round four we get back to, to getting serious there with the Colts and uh, look they need a safety r- to replace Malik Hooker and I'm looking at Derek Forrest safety out of Cincinnati 511 206 this guy plays with a sense of urgency ran really well at his pro day this is a guy that I think can come in and take over a starting spot be that free safety there on the back end of the defense for Indianapolis so some nice pickups there for Indy you move on to the Tennessee Titans now Tennessee it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that number 22 overall pick because you need an offensive tackle. You need a right tackle to replace Jack Conklin. Uh, Tevin Jenkins would be nice. Um, you, you said goodbye to, to, to Kenny Vaccaro, Adoree Jackson, and Malcolm Butler. I think Janoris Jenkins and Kevin uh, Kevin Johnson kind of you know, uh, temper that need just a little bit. Um, but you lose Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. You bring in Josh Reynolds, but that's not gonna be enough. I'm looking at Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU. 6'1", 200 pounds, and this is a guy uh, you know, tallied 73, uh, 731 yards on 48 receptions and, and 10 touchdowns in seven games as the top guy. And look, even on on a team where he was a number three option behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, still caught four, 46 passes, 671 yards and 13 touchdowns. You pair him up with, uh, with with AJ Brown, I think you really like what you're getting there. Uh, this is a guy he, he's smooth in and out of his breaks, can stack DBs, uh, running vertical routes. Uses that size to his advantage, high-pointing the football. Um, you know. And so Marshall, could he be a number one? Sure. Could he be the number two to, to A.J. Brown as well? He's already been able to showcase that He can be versatile as a receiver there for Tennessee. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how they use him. But I think that's going to be a nice pickup there for Tennessee in round one. 53 overall in round two. Go ahead and get your corner. Yes, I mentioned that you have uh, you know, Kevin Johnson there. He feels like a one-year rental. Um, but you have uh, Janoris Jenkins. Desmond King, the, the nickel, is, is also gone. So I'm looking at a guy like Asante Samuel, 5'10", 184 pounds out of Florida State. Um, everyone knows that his dad played in the league as well. Um, another kid with a high football IQ, tremendous ball skills. He can take over the nickel right away. And then when Kevin Johnson's gone, he can play outside as well. He's one of those guys that has the versatility to be able to do that, which is why I think he is going to go off the board in the first two Two rounds of the draft there's an outside chance he comes off the board in round one but i think he's really going to be a second round pick that makes a lot of sense so the titans what do they do from there in round number three well that's interesting they have two picks i think they need to go after a tight end and i'm looking at tommy tremble six-three-two forty-one. you lost Jonu smith and, and tremble what, what i love about him he's such a devastating run blocker imagine him leading the way for derrick henry that would be a lot of fun to watch Um, I think he needs some development as a receiver, not the strongest route runner, his hands were a little suspect at times, but you see the athleticism after the catch, ran a 4.5940 at at his pro day as well, he's one of those guys that I think if he continues to develop, could be a steal, and then you gotta replace Kenny Vaccaro at safety, Tyree Gillespie there from Missouri, 6'1", 210, Um, you play him alongside uh, Kevin Byard, that makes a lot of sense, he's a playmaker, look, He won some of his battles there with Kyle Pitts against Florida in coverage, took on Najee Harris in the ground game there against Bama. Three-year starting, 12 pass breakups, six tackles for loss at Mizzou. I like that pick there in round number three for the Tennessee Titans. And then what do you end up doing for an encore there in round number four? You already have Jeffrey Simmons at defensive tackle. I think they have another need. And uh, I'm looking at Marvin Wilson out of Florida State. You know, I know that this is a guy um, that was a major disappointment during the season because that motor just ran hot and cold. You know, I talked about in 2019, six and a half of his eight and a half tackles for loss and four of his five sacks were registered in just two games against Louisville and, and Syracuse. But here's the thing. He's not the prospect that everyone thought he was, but he does have the size, has the athleticism that they could use up front, be a a rotational player. Um, And look, if he could ever, if the production can ever match the potential, Tennessee could really have something. Mike Rabel can coach this guy up if he can get to him, if he's confident that he can. You may have something here to pair up with Jeffrey Simmons. You know, it's just a matter of whether or not uh, they have the patience to be able to do that. And then Houston... Well, Houston, we have a problem. We don't have a pick in the first two rounds. Uh, We have a a lot of issues going on with our quarterback as well Uh, in uh, Deshaun Watson. So what do you end up doing in the draft? Could they go quarterback at some point? It's entirely possible. But uh, you don't have many picks. You're starting there in round number three. Uh, You you get a receiver. Uh, Nico Collins out of Michigan makes a lot of sense. 6'4", 215. Um, look, you know, you've got Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, you brought in Andre Roberts. You need a big bodied receiver like Collins. He sat out 2020. Look, but quarterback play wasn't great there at Michigan. You got to watch the film to really watch the potential. Really big, big receiver, runs well vertically, can also sink those hips and, and, and separate a little bit coming out of his breaks. Attacks the football in the air as well. Um, uh, I think Nico Collins is going to be a better pro than he was a, 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 a collegiate player there at Michigan. Um, and you get him there in round number three, that'd be a nice pickup. So Houston has two picks in round number four. And I think what's going to be interesting there is you need a defensive end now that J.J. Watt is gone. That's the the latest thing. Um, At one point, I thought maybe they would go uh, running back, but they brought in Mark Ingram and and Phillip Lindsey there. So it's a team with, with David Johnson. So I think they're good there. They brought in Shaq Shaq Lawson to team with Whitney Merciless, so they're good there. Marcus Cannon replaces Zach Fulton at guard. Um, Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Finley are there, you know, to basically take over for Deshaun Watson if they need to, depending on how that saga unfolds. Um, Terrence Marshall – I'm sorry, Terrence Mitchell takes over at the outside corner spot vacated by by Garyon Conley. So it's interesting to see, you know, a lot of the different moves. Um, You know, they still need that defensive end. And uh, yes, Malik Collins was brought in, but I think they still need more help there. I'm looking at J2 Fele. Disruptive three down lineman for the Trojans. Quick penetrator against the run. uses the burst and powerful hands. Quick swim move to beat Box to get after the passer as well. Uh, Needs to watch that pass, uh, the pad level a little little bit. He got neutralized, when he got a little bit too high. I think he's scheme versatile. A guy that doesn't have to come off the field on third downs. 6'3", 305. The junior, he did sit out 2020 due to COVID concerns. COVID really hit his family hard, so that's why he sat out. Um, But this is a guy that I think um, showed up to his pro day in shape. So he's a guy that I think can end up uh, doing some things there for the Texans. And then you need a safety on the back end as well uh, to really challenge Lonnie Johnson there at, at strong safety next to, to Justin Reed. And uh, Nasa Nasiruddin out of Florida State. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. Racked up 194 tackles as a sophomore and a junior. Uh, three interceptions, five pass breakups, three forced fumbles. Had that ACL tear in December 2020. So, you know, lost... I'm sorry, December of 2019. So lost the majority of his 2020 season. Only saw the field twice as, in a senior year. Um, he's going to have to show that he's 100% and silence some of the critics about him potentially being a little bit too stiff-hipped. But this is a guy who plays with good instincts. Actually showed pretty good range there for Florida State. Um, a guy that, that has 100 tackle potential. He showed that for the Seminoles. Um... And I think he could really challenge lonnie johnson who's really a really a corner that they converted to safety you know i think Nazar radin if nothing else would be a nice third corner third safety but i think he has starter potential there for houston and so that brings us to our final division and that's going to be the nfc south and really when we talk about the nfc south we have to start with the atlanta falcons sitting there with the number four overall pick and, and look they're just four years removed from an appearance in in the Super Bowl. But they went 4-12. Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, they're out. Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot were in. There's all this talk about Matt Ryan, who's 36 years of age. Um, does he have enough in the tank? You know, At first, Arthur Blankton was noncommittal about his future and Julio Jones. Um, you know, Really, at the end of the day, when you look at Matt Ryan, I don't think he's shown any signs of slowing down. This is a guy that finished... Each of the last three seasons in the top five in passing yards, missed just three games in, 20, in, in 2008. You, know, you can point to that QBR in 2020 of 93.3, which is good for 20th in the league, but just two years removed from having the league's fourth highest QBR of 108.1 in 2018. I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, when you look at this, um, Matt Ryan's going to be their quarterback. I think he still has a little bit there. Um, don't you know get, get too crazy here with this pick. Kyle Pitts is your guy. 6'6", 240, just an absolute beast. Matchup nightmare. You know, look, ran a 4'4", 6'40", which wasn't quite as fast as Vernon Davis ran running that 4'3", 8". But man, such a unique prospect. Um, and could make history, you know, really be the first tight end taken in the top five of the draft. Um, this is a guy, I mean, the mismatches. Normally when you talk about tight ends, they're either too fast for the linebackers or they're too big for the DBs. What happens when they're also too big for the linebackers and too fast for the DBs? The insane catch radius, nearly a seven-foot wingspan, um, you know, longer than any of the wide receivers or tight ends in, in the last 20 years, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, 43 receptions, 770 yards, and a touchdown in just uh, in just eight games. And you look at it, you know, the receiving core there with with Kadarius Tony and uh, Travon Grimes. Pitts was still. Kyle Trask's favorite target. You know, he ended up with at least five receptions in six of eight games and tallying multiple touchdowns in three games, including a four-touchdown game to kick off the year against Mississippi. Um, you know, a guy that all Kyle Trask needed to do was throw the ball up, allow Pitts to elevate, use that length, and shoot. When you've got a nearly a seven-foot seven wingspan, just put the ball anywhere near this guy. And when you think about it, you think about what uh, Tra- uh, Travis Kelsey has meant to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, this Kyle Pitts could potentially you know, put a couple of extra years there on Matt, Matt Ryan's career. And when you think about it, you know, they're entertaining offers for, for Julio Jones, but I really want to see this played out for one more year at least. Imagine trying to double both Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones. Kyle Rid- um, Calvin Ridley, if I'm him, I'm getting excited. Because now I'm seeing a lot of single man, and I can really make a lot of plays. If I'm a fantasy football owner, I'm going after Calvin Ridley because I think he's going to have a huge year this next year because he's going to be the guy that is going to be seeing a lot of a uh, lot of one-on-one matchups that he can really take a, take full advantage of. Um, and I mentioned um, that Atlanta, you know, Matt Ryan wasn't the issue. You know, they had some issues up front on the offensive line, but really that running game was terrible. And they needed to show up that running game. They could go Javante Williams here. I went back and forth a lot with that pick. But ultimately, with Dante Fowler tore, tearing his ACL, and Atlanta already struggling with, with the pass rush issues, uh, just finished with 29 on the year, which tied him for 23rd in the league. But they only had two players finish the season with more than three sacks. I'm looking at Joseph Osai out of Texas 6'4, 253. Fifteen and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks this past season, and the numbers just don't speak to how good he was living in opposing backfields, just showing how disruptive he could be. Um, you know, and a half inch vertical leap, so you know the explosiveness is absolutely there. Um, this is a dude. Um, the handwork—you see him stab that inside hand and then club with the outside hand to soften that edge before flattening out to the quarterback. Um, he's a guy to me. First-round talent that Atlanta can get in round number two really help with that pass rush, especially now that Dante Fowler's gone down, which means Atlanta's got to find a running back in round three, right? Well, they they end up finding one in in Kenneth Gainwell. 5'11", 191 pounds, sat out his redshirt sophomore season, but as a redshirt freshman. This dude, over 1,400 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns, also caught 51 passes for another 610 yards. He brings a different dynamic. That that Falcon offense be another additional weapon in the passing game for Matt Ryan and look that, that running game you've got the 27th ranked rushing offense um, all three of the team's top rushers and Todd Gurley Brian Hill Ido Smith no longer on the roster either in dire need of improvement on that running game that's critical that they end up getting another running back before they hit out of day two so I think Kenneth Gainwell will make a lot of sense and then in round four there's a chance that this guy can end up coming off the board in round three but if they could get him in round four, Robert Rochelle, out of Central Arkansas, six foot, 193 pounds, excellent ball skills. Um, he's a guy that uh, you know really has kind of flown under under the radar. You know, really an FCS guy. Only got to play one game, and that was against North Dakota State. But uh, you know, look, the, the production is absolutely there. Ten interceptions in his career, 25 pass breakups as well. Two forced fumbles, a couple of forced uh, fumble recoveries, you know, on the year as well. So he's a guy to me. Um, you, you gotta, you gotta get get a, a corner to shore things up. Um, you, you've got AJ Terrell, you've got Isaiah Isaiah Oliver, but you, you need another corner, and uh, you get Robert Rochelle there. That makes a lot of sense for Atlanta. So you move on from Atlanta, you go on to Carolina. What is Carolina going to do? There are talks they may end up trading Sam Darnold because of his, his rookie deal and end up going after somebody else, possibly uh, Justin Fields. Can we just stop the insanity for a second? What in the world are we talking about here? Come on. You got Sam Darnold. You've got a quarterback that you, know, you could end up building your offense around. I think he would do really well in Joe Brady's offense. Let's not mess around. You give him some weapons. You got Robbie Anderson and you've got DJ Moore. They both had thousand-yard seasons. You've got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Shore up the offensive line. You know, and that's really, I think, what Matt Rule's gonna do. The defensive line, you've got Derek Brown and Yitron Gross in the first two rounds of last year's draft. Matt Rule knows you win in the trenches, get Rashawn Slater. If Pinay Sewell's not on the board, you get Rashawn Slater 6'4, 314. And look, you know, this is a guy, he impressed at his pro day, ran in the four eights. Uh, also repping out 225 33 times why did i start with this pro day he sat out 2020 so you wanted to make sure that this guy was still in shape and absolutely he was and you know he's got the mean streak but really the biggest thing was he's such an easy mover on the outside understands angles and really this pick i mean his top 10 ability is really kind of all of it started with, with that, that matchup against chase young Uh, as a junior where he just he he flat out dominated at times and that's one of the things that, that really is impressive is a guy that people weren't really talking about goes out against Chase Young and dominates and now we're looking at him as a top 10 pick and he's got that five position versatility as well Carolina go ahead and get your offensive lineman Russell Okung is gone you can play him at left tackle opposite Taylor Moten who you put the franchise tag on and uh, you know, if you have any issues along the offensive line you know, if uh, you wanted to uh, you know, if you needed to, to address that you've got Greg Little And you could potentially have Greg Little at tackle and move him around the offensive line, uh, Slater, if you needed to. But I think left tackle is where he really should be playing when it's all said and done, in my opinion. So from there, Carolina, number 39 overall. They could go offense, but I think they could also go defense. I mean, it's a 50-50 shot, right? But... uh, You know, in all actuality, I think if a tight end is there, if Pat Friermuth is there, they end up getting a tight end because um, Ian Thomas hasn't made the impact that anyone was expecting him to. Dan Arnold was brought in to to challenge him. But look, you you need a tight end like like Greg Olson and and Pat Friermuth would be be the guy. But with him not there, you brought in A.J. Boye to, to team with Dante Jackson, but there's no depth behind them. I'm looking at Eric Stokes out of Georgia, 6'1", 185 pounds. This is a guy who returned two of his four touchdowns in 2020 for uh, two of his two of his four interceptions for a touchdown in 2020. Ran a 4-2-440 at his pro day, um, 18 pass breakups, also blocked a punt. Very explosive guy. Um, you know, everyone talked about Tyson Campbell early on, but it was Eric Stokes and more of his versatility that uh, and, and that just steadiness that uh, really won out, won me over, uh, that he'd be a, a second round pick and be taken, you know, the first of the two uh, Georgia Bulldog corners to be taken in the draft. In round number three, 73 overall, look, I mentioned you have Robbie Anderson, you've got DJ Moore, both went over a thousand yards, little depth behind him. Yes, they brought in David Moore, but get another receiver for Sam Darnold. Tylen Wallace, six foot, 190 pounds, key contributor, in my opinion, for Sam Darnold here breakout sophomore season 86 catches over 1400 yards 12 touchdowns the litnikoff award finalist on pace for doing that again had 903 yards in just nine games as a junior tears his acl cuts it short battled injuries in 2020 still ended up with 922 yards this dude plays bigger than his size loves contact and loves physicality um gets late separation and that's really what you see, adjusting well to the football, attacks the ball in the air, gets that late separation to be able to, to high point the football. And then he runs a sub 4 four forty at his pro day. Um, I think that really turned heads as well. You know, really surprising to see uh, that type of speed. I don't think people were really expecting that out of him. So you get Tylen Wallace to pair with uh, with Anderson and DJ Moore. That makes a lot of sense. Continue to build around Sam Darnold. And then finally in round four, you know, you have a running back like Christian McCaffrey. He's coming back off of injury. And uh, you know, Mike Davis entered free agency. He's not gonna be back. You need another running back, and you look at Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. He's 5'9, 205, spent four years at Kansas. And here's what's funny. He finished his four years there with the Jayhawks, 1,735 yards during that time. Moves on to Virginia Tech as a grad transfer. He's their bell cow and rushes for nearly 1,200 yards, 7.6 yards per carry. Show that, you know, look, I can run with power. I've got some lateral agility to get outside and make plays with speed down the field. I think he'd be a nice compliment to Christian McCaffrey there for Carolina in the backfield. So that's going to then take us to the New Orleans Saints, and we have to travel a little bit further down in uh, on the, the draft board there on day one to get to the New Orleans Saints. But they're sitting there at number 28. The Drew Brees era is over, unfortunately. The uh, Hall of Fame career that spans 20 years is never easy to replace. The league's all-time leading passer, second in passing touchdowns and to completion percentage. Jameis Winston's going to try to give it a go. Um, What's interesting, what's gonna happen with this pick. You know, Emmanuel Sanders left in free agency. You know, they could take a linebacker to replace Alex Anzaloni and, and Quan Alexander, but I think you gotta you really gotta help out the receiver position. You gotta help out Jameis Winston. And I'm looking at Kadarius Toney. I think he could be that replacement for for Emmanuel Sanders to team with uh, with Michael Thomas. And look, what I love about Kadarius Toney is is he really developed himself you know, from a gadget player into a bona fide receiver. Uh, At the Senior Bowl, this dude was nobody could cover him. The separation that he was getting was insane. Um, But look, through his first three seasons, had just 50 catches for 606 yards and two touchdowns. Really, the focus wasn't just on the receiver position because he also had 47 carries during that span. But as a senior, no longer a gimmick, became the go-to target for Kyle Pitts. You know, I'm sorry for Kyle Trask and Kyler. You know, Kyle Pitts uh, either was injured or. Uh, wasn't getting the football 70 catches just 19 carries so you really wanted to see that 984 yards 10 touchdowns ran a 4-4 140 11 feet 4 inches in the broad jump as well which would have placed him third behind only donovan people jones and uh, uh jalen rager last year the guy that can line outside he can line in the slot stretch defenses vertically worked underneath and just that ability to turn nothing into something i I think this is the guy that can really go in there and help with uh with Jameis winston give him one of those targets and take some pressure off michael thomas as well so what are the saints doing round two well they could go linebacker but i think you got sheldon rankins and malcolm brown gone i think you need to get a, a defensive tackle Get somebody who's an athletic interior lineman, and there may not be one more athletic than Davion Nixon. 6'3", 305, out of Iowa, the junior look. As disruptive as they come, wins at the point of attack with a burst, low pad level, tremendous hands, uh, works to get to the football, extremely productive in opposing backfields with 15 and a half tackles for loss in 2020, explosive as a pass rusher, reminds me a lot of Geno Atkins with his ability to shoot gaps, get off blocks, win with leverage, and get downhill to the quarterback. you know, let's also not forget you know, the fact that he had that, that interception that he took back 71 yards for the, for a touchdown against Penn State as well. A guy that I think he had five or six sacks uh, under his belt there as a pass rusher. And, you know, Davion Nixon, if you listen to any of my podcasts, I talked about number 54 flashing at the beginning of the year when, when Big Ten play started. And I said, who is this guy? I mean, he was there um, for, for the Hawkeyes. Uh, a season ago but i'm like who is this guy who is this davion nixon and it was at that point that i really you know i, I developed a, you know really I, I really enjoyed watching the guy play and as i started watching him more and more he became one of my favorite defensive linemen in this entire draft just because of his energy uh the motor the explosiveness um, and i'm a big geno atkins fan so i look at him and he just he reminds me a lot of geno atkins um in the third round, the Saints have a couple of picks. They're both compensatory picks. Uh, Paulson and Adebo. Uh, they need cornerback help. They let uh, Janoris Jenkins go. They're going to look for another corner to, to team with Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, Adebo is a polarizing prospect, man. Former four-star wide receiver recruit. Tremendous understanding of routes. Elite ball skills. Uh, look, you know, for the for the Cardinal, 27 pass breakups in just two seasons. Gers um, on at the national scene as a freshman, but got picked on in 2019. Really starting to. Learn the nuances of the cornerback position. Uh, he was susceptible to a lot of double moves because he was so aggressive. Sat out 2020 due to the COVID concerns. So he's got to prove that he's got to be more disciplined. But look, he's a corner. He was 6'1", 195, Really good, uh, good size. And uh, you know that rec- those receiver skills and receiver instincts. You know, a lot of times he was running the routes for the receivers. You know, sometimes got him into trouble because he get baited again on those double moves. But if you can understand a little bit of the nuances, that could be a guy um, that could end up being a steal at the end of day two. And then I'm looking at 106 overall. They need a linebacker, as I mentioned. Alex Anzalone and, and Quan Alexander are gone. Um, and I'm looking at Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses played out of position at Bama. You know, I, I think he really struggled there, uh, dropping into coverage. He's a guy that I think is more of a chase linebacker, a guy that's going to run around, make a lot of plays in space. Um... He was still battling that ACL tear, wasn't 100% uh, in 2020. But, you know, this is a guy, like, he has a nose for the football. He has some speed to the sideline. Knope for coming downhill and delivering a big hit as well. Uh, Effective blitzer, shooting gaps, getting after the passer. Just let him pin his ears back, you know, a little bit as he learns to drop into coverage. And I think the Saints may have something. Let him play alongside Demario Davis, and that'll offer up some versatility, I I think, there, for the Saints. And uh, so what do the Saints do in round number four? Well, I, I think you still have to look at the quarterback position. And uh, Kellen Mond I think would be a nice pick up there, 6'3", 217. This is a dude, dual-threat capability, uh, you know, over 1,600 yards on the ground, 22 touchdowns. Um, you watch that, that senior bowl, it really summed up his career. Completed just 13-25 passing because he does struggle with it with accuracy. Uh, needs to cut down on some of his mistakes too. Uh, just threw for 173 yards, but also threw for two touchdowns. Uh, pinpoint touchdowns. That was a thing. 15 yard touchdown between two defenders to Amari Rodgers, uh, plus two conversions one through the air and one on the ground. Ended up earning MVP honors in a losing effort. Uh, career record holder there at Texas AM in total offense, passing yards, passing touchdowns, completions, and attempts. Uh, finished with a 13. Uh, I'm not. I'm sorry. 31 and 13 record in his four years. Um, ultimately, just continued to get better, and you know, culminated with a 9 1 record in 2020. The lone blemish was a Week Two loss to eventual national champ Alabama. But his growth reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott. Made major strides in his development from his junior to a senior season. I think that's really what you saw there in Kellen Mond. So Kellen Mond, look, Cowboys waited until round four to get Dak Prescott. There's a chance Kellen Mond may not be around in round four, but if he is, I think ultimately the Saints, they have to figure out what they're going to do with quarterback. They need to get another guy in there to challenge Jameis Winston for that starting spot, and Taysom Hill isn't going to be that guy. Which leads us, finally, to the defending Super Bowl champs, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My goodness. How did they bring all 22 starters back from the season ago? That's what's crazy. You know, I think it's really what, what I call the Tom Brady effect. Everybody wants to come back and play with with, uh, with the GOAT. I mean, why not, right? So I think you're going to really see this team use, you know, really a lot of luxury picks at this point. I think when you look at it, they need to add another pass rusher. You've got Shaq Barrett and JPP. JPP starting to get up there and age a little bit. Get another edge rusher. Jalen Phillips, to me, 6'5", 266. I think he's the best, he's the most complete edge rusher. Ran a 4'5", 6'40 at his pro day, 36 inch vertical leap, 15 and a half tackles for loss, and eight and a half sacks in the uh, only season with the Hurricanes. Here's the thing, though. The, the medicals really concerned me, especially when you, know, you had the, the wrist injury, battle concussions at UCLA, Considerment, considered retirement, ultimately changed the scenery, gets out to the U, managed to stay healthy and uh solidified his status really as a top edge rusher i think he can he can rush off the edge um power in his hands the ability to take that jab step to the outside get the the tackle to overset and then bring him back to the inside secondary moves as well he can move in to defensive tackle and rush the quarterback from within that way but the medicals just really bother me and the more i was doing my my draft i was looking at things jalen phillips may very well fall and I think a lot of it is due to that concussion history. That's got to be a concern for, for NFL franchises. So that's hopefully why I had him dropped to the end of round one. Um, and Bruce Arian, yeah, he'd be the beneficiary of that for sure. Um, you know, Tampa Bay in round two. Um, look, you know, Ryan, Ryan Jensen, you know, there's no dead cap associated with this contract. He's set to make $10 million in 2021. He can be released after the draft if they find their, his replacement, and I think Quinn Miners can be that guy. Look, 6'3", 320 pounds, out of Division Three Wisconsin Whitewater. Now, look, when you've got a guy that you drafted out of uh, out of Hobart in uh, in Ali Marpet, you know that uh, Tampa Bay and Jason Light, they have no problem taking guys out of, out of Division Division Three. This is a dude who proved that he can be an, uh, a, a talent and a guy that more than – improved his wealth there at the Senior Bowl against FBS talent. Um, held his own at the point of attack in the one-on-ones. Uh, this is a guy who also showed off some versatility there. you know, Guard and center throughout the week. If you watched him play, you put on the game film, just sit back and enjoy uh, watching him play. It didn't take long to figure out who he was. Uh, very quick out of his stance. Turns the corner in a hurry as the pulling guard. And once he finds the, the, the defender on the move, when he arrives, He's going to make him pay in spectacular fashion. A lot of fun to watch. But I think he really solidified his status as a day two pick uh, at his pro day, running a 4'8", 6'40", uh, with a 1-7-1", 10-yard 1, split, 32-inch vertical leap. You know, that's not bad. You know, not a bad day at the office for a guy who's 6'3", 320 pounds. I think, uh, you know, he has that versatility to play guard and center. But I think, you know, with Ryan Jensen there, I think the Bucks could definitely end up, letting him go and they get their center there. Tampa, uh, you know, secondary. Antoine Winfield looks like a star at safety. Carlton Davis, solid season on the outside, down the stretch. Jordan Whitehead at safety stepped up. And Sean Murphy bunting looks like a, a steal there as a nickel. Had three interceptions in the playoffs. I think what they need to address is that outside corner opposite Davis. Um, get a physical corner to challenge Jamel Dean. And I look at you know, at Aaron Robinson. Out of uh, Central Florida, 6'1", 190. A lot of people think he's going to go off the board in round two. There was some talk at one point in the first round. I think he's a third-round guy. Um, I think he has good length experience playing both on the outside and in the nickel. Versatility is going to get him on the field early in Tampa. And I think he has starter potential. I think he can end up um, you know, challenging Jamel Dean and probably end up taking over that starting spot when it's all said and done. So Tampa... What else are they going to do in that draft? Well, you know, I think you do need to find another receiver for Tom Brady. You've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside, but you need another slot receiver to go with Scotty Miller. And I'm looking at Cornell Powell. Look, Cornell Powell out of Clemson, 6'1", 210. He bided his time behind Mike Williams, T. Higgins, Hunter Renfro, Ray Ray McLeod. Finally got his chance to break out. Dynamic playmaker on the outside for Trevor Lawrence. Had four 100-yard games had three games where he averaged over 20 yards per reception and scored at least one touchdown in six of the Tigers' final eight games. He can stretch the defenses a little bit, can go up for those contested 50-50 balls and be that weapon in the slot. Look, you lost Antonio Brown, and I think you need to find a guy that could potentially replace him. And Cornell Powell could potentially be that guy. Is that a uh, round early for him? Possibly. But he's one of those guys I think... End of round round four, beginning of round five. So at 138 overall, it does make some sense. So we've been able to make it through 16 teams. Uh, a little bit longer podcast than I was hoping for, but uh, we did make it through all 16. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the north and the west in tomorrow's podcast. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about my first round mock and we'll play by the numbers uh, on Wednesday. But, uh, man, the draft is right around the corner, everyone. I can't wait. Stay tuned for a couple more podcasts leading right up to draft day. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Get fired up for the draft. I know I am. And until next time, everyone, take care. And I am out of here.